0: you're listening to cams talk a podcast brought to you by the service users and professionals from east london nhs foundation trust a podcast where you can hear us discuss debate and challenge issues around child and adolescent mental health in the uk
1: Hi, my name's Nikki Scott and I'm the Service User Participation Lead for CAMS in Bedfordshire and Luton. I'm delighted to be joined today by my colleague from CAMS in Bedford. Hi Helen. Hi, Hi Nikki. Hi everyone and we have four of our lovely ex-CAM service users who are continuing a conversation with us today about access to our CAM services. So, Roshni, hi.
2: Hi, I'm Roshni, Um, I'm an ex-service user um, of about five years.
3: And Shana? Hi, I'm Shana and obviously I'm also an ex-service user.
1: Welcome. And we have Safa.
3: Hi,
4: I'm Safa, and I'm also an ex service user.
5: And
1: finally, last but
5: not least, we have Elisa. Hello, um, I'm Eliza, also an ex cam service user um, for about two years. Thank you.
1: So last time we all met, we were discussing um, how easy it had been to access support through CAMS. Um, So all of our young ladies that are with us today are from an Asian background. And so we were thinking particularly around whether or not um, that had had any impact on um, on reaching out and asking for support we talked a little bit about whether there was any stigma or discrimination um whether you'd sort of involved your families in the referral process and we had a bit of a a a mixed conversation we all had something different to add to that so today we were going to look at um ongoing therapy and how sensitively uh CAM staff had taken into account your religious or cultural beliefs. Um, so Helen, I'm going to start with you, um, because I know that this is um, a topic that you're really interested in, isn't it? Yes, Nikki, thank
6: you. And it was a really good, I found it was a really good informative um, podcast last time. So it's, it's great to be able to carry this on. I suppose, I would like to kind of talk today about kind of the treatment plans and care plans and looking at kind of therapy that was offered to our young people and whether there was any sort of alternatives that were offered to kind of overcome any sort of barriers.
1: Brilliant, thank you. So I know I know, for some of you that therapy took place longer ago than others, but yeah, um, I wonder if I could maybe start, Safa, with you as, as the person who accessed cams the most recently, um, were you offered um, therapy that involved your whole family? Did that, um, did that happen? Um,
4: I was, so my initial assessment was with my mum. Um, and um, my therapist did say that you know you can have sessions with your mum if you want but I just didn't feel comfortable I felt like it was very hard for me to talk about mental health with anyone so like even like and I felt like it was the hardest to speak about mental health with my mum so like I just didn't really opt into that I just wanted to kind of keep it between myself and my therapist and uh, yeah so they they did offer me uh, sessions with my mum if I wanted to um, but I just preferred having it by myself.
6: Suffer? can I ask why you possibly felt uncomfortable?
4: Um, so I feel like there was um, a lot of burden on my mum at the time as well, um, acro- like across the years. Um, and so I just didn't want her to have something even more to worry about, I guess. Um, she had enough on her plate, so I just didn't want to like... Yeah, I guess I just didn't want her to have that as well, um, to worry about. Yeah.
1: Thank you. And was your mum was your mum supportive of that decision? Was she happy to sort of step back and allow you to sort of um access the therapy on your own?
4: Yeah. So she did like um. So she did offer like she always offered to drop me off and pick me up to therapy because she wanted to just make sure like you know that. I guess she also just used to ask me questions. Oh, how did it go and stuff? Because with like mental health in my family, no one suffers with mental health in my family. So it was quite different for my mum to have to deal with that. She has worked with people previously. Uh, As a social worker, so she has come across people with mental health issues as well. So um, for her to have someone in her own family, I guess it was a lot different for her. So she would always like pick me up and ask me how was your session. And even now, like even though I'm at uni, she would call me up and say like how are you feeling, and just to make make sure I'm okay and like if I'm worried or anything to talk up to her about it. So I feel like in initially it was a it was a big thing for her. Um, It was hard for her to understand. Um, because I feel like in the Asian community, there's a lot of, I guess they, it's hard for them to understand. I feel like they just haven't, I guess my mom just wasn't very, um, educated on the topic of mental health. Um, and so obviously once, um, I was diagnosed and she knew and stuff, she'd done her research as well. And, uh, she just makes sure she's just trying to be the best parent she could be. Um, for someone who struggles with mental health. So, yeah.
1: Elisa, I don't know if you um, have anything to add to Safa's comments about sort of family involvement and whether or not um, you've had shared experiences or similar experiences.
5: Yeah, I think I'd say that like my narrative would be very similar to Safa's in that. um, So I was never offered family therapy as such. And actually, I don't think we told kind of like my wider family, which includes like <clears throat> my nan aunties and uncles and uh, and even actually my dad until quite further down the track so the initial um kind of like process of my referral into cams it was literally my mum and my auntie and uncle that knew they were the only three people in the family and we went for my initial assessment although I wasn't offered kind of family therapy or anything my counsellor was in the same way as Safa to say you can have your mum present in your sessions should you like but again, on a similar line of thought to Safa, <clears throat> I actually think that I too preferred the the side of things to be able to speak openly without the fear of being a burden on my mum or worrying my mum. But I think that's more to do with, I think most people would probably say that. So I think that's less to do with race and culture, and probably more just an inherent feeling of being a kid who doesn't want to let their parent down or let, make their parents feel like a bad one, which I know is something that a lot of parents, and I know my mum felt like she was a bad parent for me being in this situation of needing help, even though she wasn't responsible or anything like that. So I think that actually um, it was definitely helpful not having my mum present because the one thing I think I'd probably say is that there's definitely an element of what will other people think within Asian culture. That's a huge thing. And like, I know for my nan, with a very traditionalist mentality, she does what are other people going to think? um And at the time, I know that my mum never subconsciously, she definitely had that thing, what are other people going to think? I knew. And when I first started doing participation with Nikki, I was very much like, uh, oh, I will help out in any way I can and be a part of whatever I can, but I don't want my name on anything. I don't want to be known as associated with CAMS. And I don't know whether that was just a feeling of, I don't want people to know or whether it stemmed from family kind of me- not making, I don't want to say making me feel like they didn't want people to know because that wasn't what it was, but almost that subconscious feeling of, mm, you know, but as the years have gone on and the more participation work I've done and the more work I've done within kind of the field of mental health, my family are so like, so my wider family now obviously know about mental health. They know about my time in CAMS, and they're so understanding and supportive and, And they're really like big advocates for mental health because of my experiences. So whilst at the time there wasn't kind of like family therapy or kind of family involvement was limited when I was in CAMS, Actually, now it's amazing to see the progression. And even my mum, like her understanding, knowledge, awareness and that is really cool. Um, Yeah.
6: Can I ask? I know just reflecting both um, comments were made from Safra as well about, um, you know, kind of what my pet or what other people might think. Is it a negative connotation that's kind of linked to CAMS or or a negative connotation to mental health within your culture? Or
3: um,
6: I guess I'm trying to think of... um, why your parents might feel um, or people around
5: within the culture might feel that it's a negative thing to get help? Yeah, I definitely think that very traditionally and um, yeah, very very traditionally and probably like, there's very much a thing about mental health perhaps being, there's definitely some negative stigma, but I actually think that that negative stigma attached to mental health within South Asian communities, it, it stems from a lack of understanding and education Um, I actually think that's where the fundamental problem is so you know someone may display symptoms of anxiety or depression and people don't understand what that is and I'm speaking from relatives back home who kind of if I talk to they really don't understand it and uh, yeah I'm I'm definitely aware that very traditionalist and, and there definitely is a thing in South Asian community negative uh, Connotations surrounding mental health, but it does. I do think personally it stems from a lack of education and understanding in a Western culture and society. There's so much understanding and reason. Um, my family are all yeah. raised,
3: mm-hmm.
5: my family are all kind of like, yeah, British born and raised, and so um, they are able to. It's kind of like the so- society they're in is understanding and accepting subsequently. They have the understanding, the education, the resources, and there just isn't that in traditional, you know, back home, as to speak. Mm. Um, I think that's where it really, I think personally, that's where it stems from, the negative connotations associated with mental health.
1: So it's not necessarily negative, um, you know, thoughts about services as such. It's not that they've had bad experiences or heard bad things about the service that's provided. It's just that maybe they don't know what services are available would you would you say that
4: 100%. Safa
1: you're you're nodding your head as well Safa yeah I feel
4: like there definitely is a lack of understanding and I feel like with some people well my, with my parents, you know they're both born and raised um in the UK um so they've always you know learned about mental health and and my mum's worked with people who work in mental health, so they're very aware of uh, mental health. Um, you know, my um, extended family, they don't know about my mental health, but I feel like I've got family members in who work in uh, GP ser- surgeries in the NHS, so I feel like there are people who, they would be understanding if I did tell them, and I feel like if people were just educated a bit more, Um, I felt that would really help uh, within um, reaching those uh, South Asian Asian communities um, and I guess just making it more spoken about because it isn't really spoken about a lot it has changed over the years it is it is spoken more about um, now but I feel like there could be a lot of work still done um, just to educate more people I guess
1: yeah Thank you, Safa. Roshni, I don't know um, if you're able to share any thoughts on that subject. Were, um, were your family involved at all when you were receiving help from CAMS? And, and I don't know if you've got any comments about um, you know, how how educated they were or how how much knowledge your wider family had.
2: Um yeah, I'm really just gonna echo what Elisa and Safa said because I had the exact same experience um my mum was present in the assessment I guess the only different thing was um is that uh my mum was with me without choice kind of thing I didn't have a choice because I was quite young I was um 13 um and I think at that age you have to have your parents um around um and so I think I only saw a therapist by myself when I was about 16 um and again I really felt uncomfortable in those sessions because you don't want to open up with fear that you know they're going to blame themselves my mum I didn't want her to think this is all her fault and also you don't want them uh, being so involved too in your life so I don't know how to explain this um like you don't want them to be constantly worried and watching your every move. it feels like it takes away a bit of your freedom too and I know they have the best intentions but sometimes you just need a bit of space um back um I can't remember the second part of your question Nikki something it was just
1: it was just really thinking about um oh about like uh, knowledge of
2: services and things like that yeah no so um my family had no idea what cams was um never even heard of it um so we went with no stereotype attached which i think is a really good thing um, but again i say because that was like six years ago um, cams now is far more um wider known um, and i think good things have been done to get away the stigma of that cams is a bad place um, and it's going back to the like i don't know fundamentals of mental health like if we were suffering with a broken foot right now um, our parents wouldn't stop us from going to the doctors to get an x-ray done or to be treated. And that's the same with the mental health. They're going to be just as caring either way. Um, and it's really important to remember that.
1: Completely. Yeah, I really agree with that. It's so important. You know, we need to be looking at seeking help for mental health conditions in exactly the same way. You know, there shouldn't be any shame, there shouldn't be any discrimination or stigma yeah. um, at asking for help. That's so important. Thank you for raising that, Roshni. Shana, going way back when <laughs> <laughs> did it were you were you offered as part of your therapy plan? Were your family involved
3: at all? Or was it just so when I first went into counts and stuff, obviously initial assessment? Uh, my mum was there and I had a little bit of individual therapy um, and then when I sort of delved back into therapy properly I had individual sessions my mum had individual sessions and then at the end of my mum's individual sessions we sort of joined up and did like proper fam- family therapy um, so yeah like she was involved in like every process she came to reviews with me the only thing she didn't do was come to therapy with me um, at the beginning um, and
1: how how did that feel how did family therapy feel when you were doing that
3: I didn't like it because um I just didn't want to do it to be honest I was not a fan of therapy as a whole and then to have two practitioners in the room with me instead of just one and my mum it kind of felt like a bit of a make sure you know do what she needs to do session instead of productive I think but that was more just because of was ill and didn't really want to engage
6: was well, going back to the family therapy thing how was your parent um what were their feelings towards accessing that support
3: so um I think at the beginning my mom was a little like oh I'm not entirely sure if this one was possible, but like at no point was she like no I'm not going to do it she wanted to do it because she knew that it was gonna well she thought it was going to help and you know there was no sort of like I'm not going to do it or I
6: don't want to do it she kind of just wanted to do whatever it took was there any sort of fear about kind of coming away from those sessions or be it fear a fear of being judged or I guess going back to the comment about um no understanding I wonder what that feels like and kind of how we know what that means is that kind of sort of invalidating comments that you you know that you've experienced about accessing services
3: I've never really experienced anything like that like for my mum it wasn't she didn't care all she cared about was getting me well and so she had no like she she would have done whatever she could like anything so
1: so Elisa you mentioned earlier um about actually the first time we met and I remember that specifically I remember you specifically saying I'm really passionate about mental health um but I don't think I ever want my name attached to anything I don't want to do any sort of public speaking and then literally within a year I think you stood up at a conference in front of 200 people and spoke about your mental health so yeah that was
5: a massive turnaround wasn't it participation has been such a massive part of my life and like now um you guys kind of all know I work at the Anna Freud Centre within participation and I can honestly say that Nikki if it wasn't for you and the opportunities kind of that I've had through working with you I definitely wouldn't be doing what I'm doing and it's absolutely crazy how Back when I first started therapy, I just I, ha- I had no understanding of mental health. I really didn't know a lot. I was 14 at the time. It was a long time ago. <laughs> and at that point, I didn't really understand much. My family didn't understand much. And actually, we do have mental health within the family. But the individual in my family who struggles with their mental health has never actually had any help. And that's partly and, you know, people have tried to help this person in my family, but they haven't wanted the help. And I think that stems from a lack of understanding that they have. And it's, you know, it's crazy because despite this individual in my family having mental health struggles, evidently, despite not having any intervention, diagnosis or anything, I still really didn't understand a lot about mental health. So when I first met you and I first started therapy and that kind of stuff, it was so unknown. And I did. I definitely there was definitely shame on my part. I felt like, why? Why am I in this situation? Why do I feel like this? And that's really why I didn't want to have my name associated with any work I did with you in participation. I don't think it stemmed from kind of like family shame or any cultural shame or anything like that. Because similarly to Shana, my mum's priority was helping me. She was very much like, you're going to go to therapy every week. You're going to, you know, we're going to get, you're going to get better. Um, You you know, so that was her priority. and, And over the years, I think as I learned more working with you through participation, Nikki, and my family learned more and we all kind of became more and more educated. Um, now my mum is so, for, when I speak, when I would do LSCB training, uh, te- like t- speeches and talks at conferences, she's all for it. And she's like, yeah, go. like I'd read her my speech beforehand, which is something I never thought I would do because the speeches I give are all about my story and really like detailed. And, and to actually be in a position where I do that is mad because I remember mental health awareness week in 2014 I posted a little um a little picture a little post and, and I said about kind of what i had been through and I was like, I want to speak openly about this on my Instagram and I remember showing my mum and mum was like oh who's going to see that and it was just that you know that fundamental point of that oh you know and now I know that if I posted something like that she'd be like do it <laughs> she'd be liking it <laughs> And it's really, really cool to kind of see that progression. Definitely. Um, so
1: how amazing that you've had that influence and that you've you've had that impact on your own family, let alone all of the other people that have you know heard you speaking in the past. Um, and that goes for professionals, for young people. You know, it, it's amazing the impact that that's had and the bravery that took for you to speak out. Um, and I'm so pleased that your parents were supportive of that Um, so Shana you're another young person that has stood up and spoken you you were involved in sort of educating student nurses about mental health issues um, and you spoke again quite openly so was that something that you felt comfortable doing you know did you talk to your family about it?
3: I was really uncomfortable with it but that was just because I really suck at public speaking so that was my main thing and I did talk to my mom about it I was like should I do it and she was like yeah why not she was kind of just like why would you not do it And such so I was like okay well if she thinks I should do it I'll try it um and like I told her who it was with and she was like oh like like really shocked that like um I was doing it with, with number four um and just like she just remembered the relationship we'd had prior to this. And so I think she was just really surprised at how far, like, um, I'd sort of come. And, like, um, I know that Eliza said that she showed her mum's speeches and stuff. I generally didn't do that. But at the end of therapy, um, I had, like, two letters, one at the beginning and one at the end. And, like, we, I think it was my psychologist, she read it to my mum and um, Dr. Allen after it, and I was just sat there really awkwardly in the corner like yeah this is cool not <laughs> I'm <laughs> really really uncomfortable but like um my mum like read it and she just like, cried a little bit and I was like so she kind of saw the difference and so like she was like yeah no you should definitely do that because you've come so far.
1: And actually, you know, I've just remembered you were, you were in a film that we made as well, weren't you? Where you talked about, uh, you know, your mental health and, you know, you did become such an advocate for, you know, just opening up and, and you know, feeling comfortable talking about. And I'm sure that encouraged other other young people to do that as well. So that's fantastic. Um, Safa. I know that you've done a lot of work um, with different organisations. Um, how have you felt comfortable talking about your own mental health issues? Or I feel like when
4: I was younger, well, there was a gap. So that when I was actually, when my symptoms started to show, like of mental health and stuff, and when I was diagnosed, it was quite a long period of time. It was about four years until I actually went out and got help. Um and when I did go out to get help, I was I was the type of person that I would never talk about mental health. Like I was not the type of person at all to talk about mental health, but like since then I've um yeah, since then I'm so open about it. Like if anyone asks, I will tell them I'm now a course rep uh for my first year uh course mates. So I'm just a representation um that's between them the lecturers, and the lectures and I've constantly made it clear that, you know, if you need help mentally, especially during this period of time where um, there's so many students uh, feeling alone um, and I constantly am out there saying, if you need help, please message me. I can signpost you to different places. Um, I've spoken about mental health with loads of young people and I've come up to me. I've done work with um, Young Health Watch, Central Bedfordshire. Um, we've done work with, Um, so many different organizations uh, some including mental health or hidden disabilities um, period poverty so we've done so much work around the topic of mental health or stuff that relates to mental health and um, I just it's just really important and I feel like because I've been through it um, I know that I can help other people because I'm not just a person who can I'm I'm not just the type of person who's been through it and will stay quiet like I'll talk about it to people who are in similar positions um, because I know they don't really have anyone else to talk to about it so I try and make myself available to anyone um, who's struggling or needs help or just want someone else to talk to to be honest.
1: That's amazing. And I think, I think, I, I wonder if all of you actually, do you feel like um, that speaking out as a young Asian female that other, is there a hope that that might encourage other, other young females from a similar background to you to go out and ask for help? Roshni, can I come to you? Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I definitely feel it does because
2: as a minority, as we are being Asian and female, um, it really encourages people to speak out. And also the fact that everybody around you will be so proud. um, No matter how you feel to start with, like they will be, at the end of the day, just glad that you're raising awareness of such an important topic. Like I know um, I don't feel comfortable talking about um, mental health at all, um, until only a few years ago. It was actually only until um, I got nominated for an award um, that I went to the ceremony with my family. That was the first time they'd ever been involved with like anything to do with my mental health. Um, and I realised that actually they're proud and happy and they're not going to judge me about it. And since then, I've been quite open with, for example, the podcast recordings because um, I'm at uni they're like, oh, rashni we listened to your podcast. It was really, really great. Um, and just little things like that is really nice to know. Mm.
1: So was there a bit of an element? Because I remember that you invited me to that um, celebration, that award yeah. ceremony. And I was so proud of you. But I specifically remember how just how proud your parents were of you. Mm. Um, You've done such an amazing job of raising awareness about different issues um and it was a much deserved recognition of that so but I know that you yeah was there a bit of a fear about prior to
2: that there was a massive fear I did not want them coming to that I didn't want I was happy for Nikki to be there um and that was about it I didn't even want my therapist there um because I just still felt really I don't know embarrassed maybe about the whole thing um, but once I got over that I think it needed something like that to be like look it's okay, um, calm down you're overthinking the whole thing but yeah there was a little bit of I don't know, I don't know the right word but
1: yeah Helen I, bet you, I don't think you even knew just how much these young ladies have been involved in so yeah it's amazing isn't it?
6: It sounds an awful lot but it's amazing what they have been involved in um, and it's really interesting to kind of hear their journeys and, it, um, and how positive they've actually been. I was going to move on to really kind of what treatment and therapy you, you were all given, actually, and whether it was kind of a structured kind of piece of work and actually whether um, your practitioner kind of really understood you and you had good experiences.
1: Oh, who wants to go first with that one? That's a great question.
4: I'll go first. Saffa, yeah. Um, so treatment-wise, um, I was, so when I, I originally went to GP um, and he put me on medication and then um, he also recommended me, well, he referred me to cams, um, So it was more of a combination uh, treatment um so I worked um so I worked with my therapist on like things that I guess I was struggling with because I suppressed like my emotions for a very long time um she was just helping me try try to I guess um talk about it a bit more like I guess release the stuff that I was holding in for so long um so like I was I was to be honest, I wasn't the type of person to talk about mental health with anyone. So it was so hard for her to even get anything out of me. It was kind of like a battle with me. Um, but like after about four or five sessions, I started to speak to her and like open up more and more and more. And to be honest, she just made the environment so much easier for me to just speak speaking because like you know we would have jokes in the in the therapy session we talk about the most randomest things I'll jump from one topic to another and she'll just be like okay you you do your thing but um yeah she made it really comfortable and honestly like it got to a point where I was like so excited to see her once a week (laughs) um because she just made it fun and like we'll just you know talk about any struggles I was having and like the stuff that's been going on great this week and um something that's happened in college that was really cool and something that just made me go mad or or the the way like the most different things that had happened across the week but um the sessions were so comfortable and I really enjoyed my therapy it helped me a lot like learn who I am as a person as well because I feel like when you're constantly in education you don't really have I didn't really I guess I didn't really have a lot of self-care and um I felt like she she told me to like you know relax a bit and have like days where you chill on stuff and she kind of made me realize that I need to like you know have a lot more self-care so um that made me I guess um just just do things I enjoy more and stuff like that so yeah I um then I was discharged in about I think August maybe um yeah August um and yes I was discharged from therapy in August and I'm still on my medication um but yeah it's been successful though very successful
1: that's really good to hear and it's so it's so great to hear about your positive experience and and the fact that you were allowed the time to sort of feel comfortable I think that's so important I'm going to go to you Shana now because I know that probably not quite the same for you was it you were could you would you look back and say that
3: you loved every minute of your therapy oh god no I hated it (laughs) nothing about it I enjoyed however it got me where I needed to go you know no I absolutely hated like therapy and all of the things that came with it but it got me to a place where like I'm sort of now able to sort of manage my life without it, I probably wouldn't be able to do any of the stuff I'm doing. And I think even though I didn't enjoy it, obviously, you know, therapy isn't going to be enjoyable. But it was the it changed my life. Like it genuinely made it so much better. And I don't think I could have got where I've got now without it. Like I wouldn't have been able to go to uni. I wouldn't be studying the degree I'm studying and who knows like what would have happened so you know it definitely it it helped and I had so many different types of treatment you know I've had DBT with like a group I've had EMDR with like my therapist and then I've had like CBT counselling with like a counselling therapist like I've had a load of different treatments and stuff that my first therapist worked into um, our sessions so you know it felt like a more holistic approach as opposed to something like adults which is very much this is therapy and we've got to stick to the treatment plan in that respect so yeah it really did kind of save me as you know weird as not weird but like as cringe as it sounds
1: it sounds amazing and I know um I know that We've talked in the past, Shana, and you've said how much you, you appreciated that your therapist that you were working with really persevered, didn't they? Even when you were so reluctant to engage, she yeah. was determined not to allow you
3: oh, no. to disengage. I had, I had like a really good therapist, a good psychiatrist, and then like a really good nurse as well. All three of them didn't take any of the the stuff that I kind of threw back out, you know, they just kept going even though I probably was not nice to treat. And I'm very sorry about that now. But yeah, I just (laughs) yeah, (laughs) it was it was really good and did help.
1: Thank you. So um Roshni, I wonder if you've got anything to add to that conversation. Yeah, I also hated camps. Like
2: proper, hated it. Hated the idea of it. Hated the people there. Could not like, could not think of anything worse. Um, when I started, um, especially at the initial assessment, um, and then so yeah, initial assessment. Um, then I'd meet with like a ED nurse, um, and a psychiatrist in like weekly appointments. Um, after that, I think. I went impatient for a bit and then I went back into the community, then discharged. And then unfortunately again I, I relapsed and I realized the second time round I loved CAMS and like appreciated it a lot more than I did beforehand. Um I was just I realized that um at that point you yourself have to make the change and that other people aren't gonna make that change for you. Um I don't know if it's just a thing that comes with age or just with understanding more about your mental health that um, once you make that change, you'll be able to do what you need to do. Go to uni, for example, and live out your best life. Um, And yeah, and I realised that as much as, and also the team had expanded as well. I remember the eating disorder team used to just be a dietitian and an eating disorder nurse. And that, that was it. That was just the two of them um and the fact that my treatment then changed the second time around I was able to be seen at home which was a big issue for me because I hated cams so like, so so much and the idea of like the journey of going to cams and coming back was just like too much for me to kind of cope with um my eating disorder nurse used to come to my house and we'd have the session in my bedroom which was just so much more comfortable we'd just sit and have a cup of tea um and it was lovely um and that made me engage more too and it's just having those other options as well which um can make recovery a lot easier.
1: Helen as a therapist how how do you relate to that then the fact that we we're able to sort of you know hearing that about the different types of therapy and how we need to be flexible so important isn't it? I think it's more important sort
6: of now that actually with lockdown and kind of how flexible we can be. So looking at virtual ways, looking at telephone calls, I guess looking at some face to face, but also thinking about where where that young person would feel really quite comfortable meeting. Um, You know, do they feel more comfortable going for a walk? And I know we're sort of at a distance, but actually the risks feel lower out in the community than they do actually coming into the clinic. Um, and taken on board you know we're we're talking to you know young females with an Asian background actually the risks are a lot higher and there's a lot more fear of coming into the service and I wonder if that has an impact on you know our service and um, people coming in and engaging with us
1: yeah yeah you're right particularly at this time yeah um Definitely. But I, th- I think listening
6: is that there's been some lots of creative work that's been done with therapists um amongst you and 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 it's nice to kind of hear positive now I know it's always difficult at the time when you have treatment and kind of it feels um probably another person sometimes to tell you off or tell you to do this sort of but actually people are just wanting to help and sometimes that's really hard when you're in a difficult um, stage of your life. Um, But it sounds quite positive now.
1: Elisa, have you got anything that you wanted to say to add to that discussion?
5: Yeah, I suppose just hearing about kind of everyone's experiences within therapy. um, The one thing I guess, everyone talked about having like a range of therapy and like holistic approaches. And I think the one thing that kind of resonates with me is that, so I had CBT. From 14 to 15 and then I was I relapsed and re-referred by the school's team when I was 17 and had psychodynamic therapy and then I was put on medication shortly after that and I think it just and kind of like what people have said it kind of just highlights that I think with mental health it's not and this might be something that's really obvious and and everyone knows it but it's very much like it's not something that you just you go to therapy and then you're fixed and I think that's a really uh, damaging misconception Mental health, I now know I will forever struggle with my anxiety. It's not something that, that has just disappeared or gone away, um, but it's something that therapy has enabled me to learn how to deal with. And it's helped me understand it better, understand my tendencies and whatever. So it's given me an in-depth understanding of, of my anxiety, me, how to deal with it going forward, how my family can help me. Now my mum knows um, those triggers, she knows kind of what to do when I'm having like an anxious episode or whatever. And so I think it's very much a case of I don't think th- I think it's damaging to think therapy will fix you or therapy because you know I went through what four rounds of therapy and medication, but um, it's helped me like, learn to deal with it and learn to manage it. And everyone needs help from time to time. Probably in a few years' time, I'll I might I mean hopefully not, but there's a chance I might you know struggle again, and that's just part of that's just an inherent part of mental health. And I think so therapy is something that doesn't fix you or anything like that it's not like a switch it's not something that sorts everything out but it's something that will help helps you going forward and enables you to learn how to manage it deal with it understand it better so yeah that's
1: such such great advice and the fact that you you know that you've learned that through through your process of 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 different treatments you know Sounds amazing. And I know you mentioned earlier your study in psychology. Oh, we need, we need um to get that, you know, across so much and you're gonna have a job waiting for you at CAMS one day, aren't you, Helen? <laughs>
6: yeah, I'm I'm definitely nodding because she definitely will. We have lots of student cool. placements about, so
1: well, we're looking around here. We've got two future psychologists, hopefully, and a future psychiatrist in the making. Safra, I'm hoping we won't need your forensic, because um, you're studying forensics, aren't you?
4: Yeah, I don't think I would be involved in CAMS, but maybe some in the national,
1: national yeah. services. Um, but it's... Yeah. It's really interesting, actually, that you four amazing young women are all headed in the direction of working within the field of either mental health or, or medicine, you know. Um, and I think that your experiences are going to make you such amazing clinicians of the future. I think it's so important that we encourage people with lived experience um, into the field. Would you agree, Helen?
6: Yeah, I'm going to get a job descriptions written up and job adverts ready.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I suppose really to finish up the conversation today, which has been so so engaging and so, you know, it's been a fantastic conversation. But I wonder if um, I mentioned that you all want to go into the field of um, medicine in some way, how would you as people with lived experiences um, encourage other young people, maybe from a similar background that might be a bit reluctant to ask for help or not know where to go. How would you encourage those young people to, to, to reach out and, and get the support that they need?
3: Shana. So, um, I think it's important that it's known about because I had no idea that like CAMS existed or anything to help with what I was feeling or going through. And like obviously you guys have the schools team now, which kind of go in and I think it gives everybody an opportunity to kind of see exactly what help there is available. And I think, you know, that's the only way that you're gonna get sort of people to come into the service if they know and understand that there is help available, because I didn't realise there was. And I think that was a big part of it as well. Thank
1: you. Roshni, any thoughts on, on what we can do to, to raise awareness of our services um, and ensure that everyone from every sort of, you know, whatever background, whatever um, wherever they live, you know, whatever their age, how, how can we raise awareness about the help um, that they can get?
2: I think the main point is within schools because I think schools and your home life are so different. And especially if you are concerned about, you know, your family knowing and stigma and all of that, um, that going to see somebody in school is really, really helpful. Knowing that CAMS does exist, and you can be referred through the school team is super, super helpful. And then also, once you do get support, um, getting involved like service user participation as like Elisa said has changed my life as well like I would not be in medicine like doing medicine today if it wasn't for the experiences I've had um and like improving services and just making services what you need for example this podcast and us raising awareness about BAME mental health um is already going to make like a little difference um and yeah just and it will also make you feel more comfortable in yourself as well it will make you more accepting knowing that there's other people um like you know yeah the three lovely ladies that have had the exact same experience i had no idea before this podcast that everybody had practically the exact same experience as i did i thought i was strange it just being me i thought i had like a dysfunctional family um and really that's just it's not the case whatsoever so yeah
1: so actually you're still learning new things all the time. Oh, is, 100%. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you. Safa, how do how do you think um, we can continue to raise awareness?
4: I think, yeah, like Roshni said about schools, um, I feel like having, I guess, a more accessible place within schools for young people to go to and just feel more comfortable, you know, Um some people aren't happy with talking about the mental health of their family I struggled I didn't really tell anyone about my mental health until I actually went myself to the GP um, do your research about going to the GP and what age because I know some GPs depend it depends at some GPs but do your research and take the step because I took the step and it was worth it and you know you at that moment you might not see any other way out but there's always a way out and you know there are services there to help you there are specific places to help you no matter how old you are and they're there to be there for you and help you and your family and whoever's going through whatever they are going through because um I reached out and got help and You know, I've come far, you know, I didn't see myself being at uni. I didn't realise I would come this far because my mental health really affected me. But once I reached out for help, everything was just so much clearer and I was able to do what I want to do. So I feel like just reach out, just take that first step
1: the fact that you're, you're an advocate now for mental health um, at your uni, you mentioned earlier, Safa, I think that's, that's amazing that young people, especially now, we're in a really difficult time. Exactly. You know, uni students are, have, have been hugely affected, haven't they? And, yes, you know, it's a difficult enough time anyway.
4: Exactly. Um, and it's like, you know, we've only been at uni for, for the first years. We've only been at uni for about two months um and it's weird because you've made friends but like you know when you're struggling with mental health it's not easy it's not easy for everyone to talk about to their friends some people don't understand and like you're in another city you've got no family it's really difficult and I found it really difficult um the past week um I was affected for sure but if you reach out for help like I did Um, And I spoke to my well-being officer at uni and she helped me just reach out the services within universities, colleges, schools, just take that first step because it it will it will work for you for sure. Um, Maybe it might some there's always options, you know, uh, with mental health uh, help. So just reach
1: out. And I think it's really helpful when it's young people that are saying that and not just professionals, you know, so you're speaking from experience. Mm. Um, yeah, Elisa, you've done lots of awareness raising in the past. Do you feel it's really important to be, you know, a, you? A, would you see yourself as a role model? Because I certainly do. Oh, <laughs>
5: um, I don't know. I mean, I think I'd say that I definitely echo what has already been said by um, kind of everyone else in that I think something Roshni said which resonates with me a lot is just remembering that if you're a young person struggling or a young person struggling from a BAME background regardless if you're a young person struggling with your mental health remembering that you are not alone is so so it's just like it's for me personally it's one of the most reassuring things because it's it's a constant reminder that actually I'm not alone and I'm not weird or I'm not broken I'm not a problem other people have this too and to me it's such a reassuring and comforting thought and it actually that kind of thinking has helped me in other areas as well even something as kind of as silly as it sounds but something like school and education when I was crying over my A-levels for instance remembering oh do you know what so is everyone everyone else is crying over them too cool <laughs> it almost it adds a level of comfort I suppose and I think that thought remembering if you're embarking upon the journey of, of seeking mental health treatment or help or intervention, remembering that you're not the only one, so many young people in the same boat. So like Roshni, what she alluded to there, I think is so, so important. And what kind of everyone said about school as well, I say a massive part does come, I think schools should take more responsibility in educating students and and making students, young people aware what is out there, what help there is, assemblies in that. Um, We had a few at school, my school I actually am very grateful for, they were brilliant. and we had quite a few assemblies and stuff like that but there needs to be far more things and stuff done in school to highlight what there is out there um but then also what's really helpful was that um a young person who used to work within participation with yourself nikki as well you'll know did an assembly uh, on her story with her, an animation that was created and it was really really cool it was incredible and it was such a powerful assembly i mean i remember talking to our safeguarding lead and she was like so many young people have uh, kind of like spoken about it and and shared it and and come forward and so I think one young person talking to another is so key as well so knowing that there's people out there that have similar experiences that you can talk to and just yeah research look into what is out there it it will get better I think that's the one thing to remember you know it will get better
1: thank you Thank you so much. So this seems like a really natural place to end this conversation. And I know that we want to um, next time in our last episode in this series of podcasts, I know that we want to to visit how we can continue to engage young people in therapy, don't we, Helen? We do. I'm
6: just sending a message because I think you you guys have been amazing. It's been great listening to you all and kind of the positive experiences. And I know, you know, accessing services and being in services can be really difficult, but it's really positive to kind of hear you're all wanting to work in mental health field um, despite your difficulty. So it's, it's been really good. I look forward to the third one.
1: So I just want to say thank you so, so much once again for everybody's openness and honesty um, in talking about your journeys um, and sharing your experiences with us. It's been amazing to, to bring you all together again and lovely to see you all. So um thank you so much. Stay safe, everybody, um, in these really difficult times. um, And yeah, take care.
0: You've been listening to CAMS Talk, a podcast brought to you by the Luton and Bedford CAMS team and the Luton and Bedford Service User Participation Group. If you'd like to hear more from us, just go over to camstalk.com and subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any of the other platforms that you're using. Once you've subscribed, you'll get notification on your device every time we release a new episode. If you want to comment or share your views, you can contact us on Twitter using at Camstalk, or you can send us an email using info at camstalk.com. One last thing before we go. Don't forget to use the hashtag #camsTalkPodcast whenever you comment on social media. We'll speak to you soon.